I love the ministry. I love preaching. I get a great joy out of getting revelation and then passing it forward. But I can tell you that all three of us, we're not doing it for us. When we come, you're on our minds. We want to see you live successful lives in Jesus. We don't want to see the body of Christ beat up with condemnation, struggling an identity of who they are because of something they did. Because there's real freedom in Christ. Real freedom. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And it says, She will give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. And then listen, Give him that name because... So whatever you hear next is the reason why he has the name Jesus. And it says he will save his people from their sins. His name, Jesus, means Savior. Christ means Messiah or Anointed One. And the reason that the angel told them to name him Jesus is because he actually was going to do something. And what he would do actually defines his name and who he is. And it said that he will save his people from their sins. So the word save there is sozo in the Greek, and it means to save, that is to deliver or protect. Heal, preserve, save, make whole. Throughout the continuance of this message, that's going to be very important to remember. That the word save is literally talking about delivering, protecting, healing, preserving, safety, and wholeness. This is the first promise found attached to the life and ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. When I came to the realization that this is the first promise that's attached to the life and ministry of Jesus that we find, and the first promise says that he's going to do something, Name him this because he's going to do something. He's going to be a savior that saves his people from their sins. I love that. (laughs) I do. Our religious upbringing says that you have to get forgiveness in order to be saved. So if you sin, it's sin upon sin. It's confession upon confession. Because in order to receive salvation, you have to have forgiveness. Let me propose something to you that your forgiveness didn't produce your salvation, that it was actually your salvation that produced your forgiveness. And that is completely true. And that right there will keep you from beating yourself up when you miss it. Because you realize that you've been saved from something, and that's made whole. You have been made whole. I love it that the name Jesus means Savior and Christ means Messiah. And I heard another preacher say, it wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ. (laughs) That, That just wasn't his last name. Every time they heard Jesus, Savior, every time they heard Christ, it meant Messiah. He was the Christ. When he asked Peter, who do men say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. He said, well, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ. It meant you're the anointed one that is actually going to do something. And according to your first name, you're supposed to save us. (laughs) And according to the first promise that was attached to his life, it was from sin that he was going to save us. Amen. The full gospel is that Jesus saved us from our sins, not that he just forgave them. The word sin here is pearl, which means more than one, all sin for all time. 
I love that. Sins. He's going to save his people from their sins. I love it. Because listen to what Hebrew 9.12 says. Oh, this stuff right here, it excites me. Hebrews 9.12, this is the ERV. Christ entered the most holy place only one time, enough for all time. He entered the most holy place by using his own blood, not the blood of bulls or goats or young bulls. He entered there and made us free from sin forever. He entered the most holy place. It says one time enough for all time. And when he entered in there, he made us free from sin forever. The promise that the angel attached to his life that he would accomplish was accomplished when he entered in there. He made us free from sin forever. Does that mean that you can't commit a sin? No, it doesn't. It means that the effect of the nature of sin and the death that's attached to your spiritual condition, that you don't die when you sin. He died for your sin. And it was one time enough for all time. We're not looking for another sacrifice. We're not trying to receive forgiveness in order to be saved. We received Jesus. He saved us. Now we're forgiven. (laughs) Amen. It's not sin upon sin, lamb upon lamb. We're not looking to crucify Christ all over again because we messed up. No. This is where freedom comes from. Because when we mess up, God is never the problem. He's always the solution. We're never running from God. We're running to him because he's the one who saved us. We're already forgiven in Christ. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from dead works. And like I said in another message a while ago, that in order to have the blood of Jesus applied to you, you have to be saved. (laughs) You can't have the blood of Jesus without being saved. It's talking to saved people there. That the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from dead works. Because you're forgiven, because you're saved. Amen. Hebrews 10.10 Jesus Christ did the things God wanted him to do, and because of that, we are made holy through the sacrifice of Christ's body. Christ made that sacrifice one time, enough for all time. One sacrifice, one time, enough for all time. And because of what? Because he was obedient to the Father were made holy through His sacrifice, not mine. I'm made holy, you're made holy, through His sacrifice, not yours. And the Scripture says He made it one time, and it's good for all time. We try to become holy through our works. So we're trying to work to achieve holiness, but what if He already achieved the holiness? It's the same thing when the denominations that we came up under that we were repenting in order to receive forgiveness. I mean, the more sorry you were, the more forgiven you were. Like we were trying to get God to come back to us, not realizing that he never left. We were trying to approach God on our own righteousness based upon the things that we did. We call it legalism now because legalism says that I have a right to you because of me. Grace and God says that you have a right to me because of me, not because of you. Performance is out the window. You're not a dog trying to do a trick to get a reward. You're a child that's been seated at the table and says the whole kingdom's before you. Eat whatever you want. We're not show ponies. We're not trying to behave good to get something from God. I just want to know him. Like My life goal is to know him. When I miss it and I mess up, and I do, 
It's in those times of testing that I always push into God. I'm serious. I will cram as much scripture as I can for days. For days. Why? Because my mind's telling me to retract, but my spirit's telling me to push forward. My mind says that you don't have a right because of you. The spirit of God says, no, I'm the one who wants to liberate you. I'm the one who wants to move this out of your life. And so many times Christians retract from God because of the work that enemies doing in their life. When the Spirit of God is trying to push them as hard as he can into the light of his truth, which will bring freedom. Because every storm comes to an end. I mean, you see the house that's built upon the rock. The rock is Jesus. The house that's built upon the sand, it has no foundation. It says the same storms beat upon both houses. The same one. But only one of them fell because the other one was founded on Jesus. And every one of us are going to face trials and tests and temptations. I wish it was just persecution. I wish it was that. (laughs) We'd be fine. We'd be great. But the first time that Satan ever appeared to a son of God, it was deception. He was trying to deceive them. The second time he appeared to another son of God, in Matthew chapter 3, chapter 4, same thing, deception. It's not just persecution that we face. It's the attacks of the enemy that literally we have to stand with the word when even our own mind tells us that that's foolish. And your heart, it just says, I can't leave this place because of my reasoning. Because you can't reason yourself into the will of God. I wish we could. <laughs> I wish I could just have a conversation with myself. And No, you're supposed to go this way, buddy. <laughs> I wish I could do that. It doesn't work like that. It's the Holy Spirit that is our guide. He's the one that takes us and leads us in. We're not supposed to lead ourselves. We're actually supposed to be following someone. And it's the Spirit of God that is on the inside, not the outside. We all want to be led, but most Christians are looking to be led through external sources instead of an internal spirit. God, give me a sign. Well, how come the sign couldn't come from within you? Why are we looking out here? (laughs) How about the sign is, hey, the next morning I wake up and I feel like going. Why does it have to be an external sign? Why can't it be an internal witness? He is the Holy Spirit, right? Lives inside of us. Amen. Hebrews 10, 12, But Christ offered only one sacrifice for sins. And that sacrifice is good for all time. This is the third time that it's saying that his sacrifice is good for all time. Then he sat down at the right side of God. Verse 13, And now Christ waits there for his enemies to be put under his power. With one sacrifice, Christ made his people perfect forever. They are the ones who are made holy. It was his sacrifice that perfected us. But not just for a short amount of time. It says with that one sacrifice, he perfected us forever. Forever. I looked up that word forever. In the Greek, it means perpetually or continually. Perpetually means constantly, continually, applied to things which proceed without intermission or which occur frequently or at intervals without limitations. He's perfected us forever with no limitation. 
That's what forever means. It has no limitation to it. Continually means without pause or secession, unceasingly. We're perfected forever through the blood of Jesus. It was through his sacrifice that we have been made the righteousness of God. We're not striving to obtain perfection in ourselves through our flesh. We come to perfection through Jesus not through self-efforts, but his effort. Jude chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his own glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. It says that he's going to present us faultless before the presence of his own glory with exceeding joy faultless before his presence. Right now you are innocent in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus. You're innocent. I don't care if you did the dirty dozen before you came to church. Whatever that is, I don't know what a dirty dozen is. But if you did it right now, you're innocent. Do you need to repent? Change your mind? Yeah, you need to change your mind. Are you condemned? No. How are you going to change your mind? Are you going to reason yourself into change? No. How are you going to do it? Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Tell yourself I'm innocent. I'm blameless right now. In the eyes of God, I can come before his throne with praise and thanksgiving that I can actually receive some mercy and his ability, grace, to help me right now in my time of need. Because Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If all the blood of Jesus did was forgive us, and we were still going to be defeated by the same old things, then it couldn't be called good news. Then we would just all be sinners saved by forgiveness. That's what we would be. But we're not sinners saved by forgiveness. We're saints that have been saved by grace or through grace. Not only are we saved from sin's wrath, we are saved from sin's effect. The very first promise is a promise of complete salvation from sins. I don't know about you guys, but because of a life choice I made or because something bad happened and because of our religious upbringing, all of a sudden we start looking to ourselves to see what we did to allow this to happen because now God's mad with me. It's a horrible place to be in because if God's mad at you and the blood of Jesus doesn't satisfy him, your blood won't. And it's not that God wanted blood. He never did. He never wanted blood. The blood of goats and bulls could only cover sin. It took the blood of his own son to remove it. It's the reason why he's named Jesus. Listen to these scriptures in Isaiah 54, 6. This mentality that God is angry at us anytime is not okay to have as a born-again believer because it's been planted there by the enemy. And when we receive it, and we actually embrace it, and then with our thoughts, we keep thinking like that. We're watering a seed, and it's starting to grow into our lives. And that seed will only produce and grow condemnation, guilt, distance, when the reality is, is that there's no distance between you and God. This is what it says in Isaiah 54, 6. Like a woman whose husband has left her, you were very sad. You were like a young wife left all alone. But the Lord called you back to him. This is what your God says. 
for a short time I turned away from you, but with all my love I will welcome you again. I was so angry that for a while I didn't even want to see you, but now I want to comfort you with kindness forever. The Lord your Savior said this, Remember, in Noah's time, I punished the world with a flood, but I made a promise to Noah that I would never again destroy the world with water. In the same way, I promise, I promise that I will never again be angry with you and say bad things to you. The mountains may disappear and the hills may become dust, but my faithful love will never leave you. He says, my faithful love will never my faithful love will never leave you. I will make peace with you, and it will never end. The Lord who loves you said this. This is an Old Testament promise that's solidified in the new because of Jesus. That because of Jesus, this promise right here, he's talking about a covenant. He said, as I made promise to Noah, as I covenanted with Noah, he put a rainbow in the sky as a promise to Noah that he would never destroy it again. Well, guess what? He put a son on the cross as a promise to you that he would never be angry with you again. Never say anything bad about you. God can't even speak to the angels negative about you because of a promise that he made. And there's children of God that think God is telling them something bad about their brother. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's crazy. It's demonic. It is. Because we want to see our brothers succeed. That's why it would say in 1 John that if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. It didn't say that God didn't love you. It says you're not loving God because you're hating your brother. You're lying to yourself. <laughs> you need to fix that and love God right. <laughs> Amen. You need to fix that so that you can love God right. Because that right there will darken your heart and it will push you away from God in here. Because in the measure you condemn your brother, the Apostle Paul said, that you bring condemnation on yourself. That's rough. Is it God condemning you? No. Condemnation is just judgment. You allow judgment to come in. It's not God. God's not judging you. In you judging your brother, you just open the door for judgment to come on you. And get this, it's not God. He can never be angry with you again. There's a promise. He can't even say bad things about you. I love to see humility. When I see it on somebody, I want to love on them. Like, I want to go out of my way to talk to them, to do anything for them that I can. When I see cockiness and arrogance, even if I would want to, they stop me because they think I don't need this. And they make themselves the Pharisee that says, I think that I'm not like this tax collector, this sinner. The sinner wasn't trying to make himself a Pharisee. He was trying to receive some real forgiveness. <laughs> he probably did a lot of stuff. And he knew that if it wasn't for the mercy of God, judgment was going to come upon him. Why would you beat your own chest? Not even look to heaven. You wouldn't look up to heaven because you're ashamed. 
Because you're ashamed of the things that you've done, like God couldn't see it. Or if he did see it, he's displeased with you. I remember a while ago I was praying, and as I was praying, I pictured myself in a large white room, and there was a throne there, and we all were kneeling down. And this guy came up to me. It's just it's a picture in my mind. This guy came up to me, and he picked me up. He told me to stand, but I looked around at everybody else, and they were kneeling. And it felt so wrong to me till I realized that they were the ones wronged. I was trying to raise people up in this movie in my head, trying to make them stand. And nobody wanted to stand except there was someone in the third row, and they stood up because they got the revelation that we're not servants. We don't have to grovel that God says that you can stand in my presence because of the blood of Jesus, that you're not just forgiven sinners, that you're saved. And because you're saved, now you have forgiveness. It's not getting forgiveness in order to be saved. God will never be angry with us ever again. Christ took in his own body all the punishment for sins, not only yours and mine, but the sins of the whole world. With one sacrifice, he put an end to sins. And then I'm going to keep reading in verse 11 of Isaiah 54. He says, You poor cities, enemies came against you like storms, and no one comforted you. You poor city, enemies came against you like storms, and no one comforted you. I love it that the very fact that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. <laughs> Because there was no comfort found for humanity, God took upon himself flesh, became a man, died in our place, and then sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Enemies came against you like storms, and no one comforted you. But I, but I will rebuild you. This is very prophetic for us right now. But I will rebuild you. This is a promise. But I will rebuild you. Enemies came against you to destroy you and you had no comfort, but God is going to rebuild you. I will use beautiful mortar to lay the stones of your walls. That mortar that holds the stones together, it is the Holy Spirit. I will use sapphire stones when I lay the foundation. The stones on top of the walls will be made from rubies. I will use shiny jewels for the gates. I will use precious stone to build the walls around you. I, the Lord, will teach your children, and they will have real peace. You will be built on goodness. You will be built on goodness. You will be safe from cruelty and fear, so you will have nothing to fear. Nothing will come to hurt you. And I know that people take this passage of Scripture and they put it out as in when we're all in heaven. But listen to what the next verse says for people who are confused about that. I will never send anyone to attack you, and if any army tries to attack you, you will defeat them. There's no armies that's going to try to attack you in heaven. This is a promise for right now for us, for our generation, because of the shed blood of Jesus. He was the covenant. As he made promise to Noah, I make promise, I make covenant with you. Jesus was the sign of the covenant that God will never be angry ever with you. That he will never say anything bad about you. And the stones that is talking about when he says that I will rebuild you, I will use beautiful mortar to lay the stones of your walls. The mortar that holds each stone in place is the spirit of the Father himself. We are the stones that are being built. 
into a holy house, a spiritual house, because that's what it says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 3. You have already tested the goodness of the Lord. You have already tasted the goodness of the Lord. What did it just say in Isaiah? You shall be built upon goodness. <laughs> you shall be built upon goodness. Amen. You have already tasted, tested the goodness of the Lord. The Lord Jesus is the living stone. The people of the world decided that they did not want this stone, but he is the one God chose as one of great value. So come to him. I love that. I text, when I read that earlier this week, I texted Mr. T. I was like, there goes your message right there. The pearl of great price. It says the world rejected Jesus, but Jesus is the one that God chose as one of great value. He is the pearl of great price. He is. God is amazing. But listen to what it says in 1 Peter 2.5. You also are like living stones. If Jesus was the stone, the pearl of great value, the Father said, you also are like living stones. And God is using you to build the spiritual house. You are to serve God in this house as holy priests, offering Him spiritual sacrifices. Listen, this is so important, guys. Offering Him spiritual sacrifices that He will accept because of Jesus Christ. So why does God accept your spiritual praise or your sacrifice? Because of Jesus. Your praise is not acceptable because of you. It's acceptable because of Christ. Because the majority of us at one time or another would discount it ourselves from being in the ones that can actually stand and praise God because of something we did or something we didn't do. There's two voices in the earth. One is the voice of accusation. And he's always accusing us to ourselves or to the person next to us. If he can't get you to accuse yourself, he'll accuse the person next to you to accuse you. So then maybe, since you won't accept it from his voice, well, maybe if the person next to you, maybe that's the person closest to you. I mean, they probably know you best. So they get this idea planted in their mind, and they say, well, this is your problem. And the reality is, is you don't have a problem. He's trying to sow a problem into your life, <laughs> into your heart. He's trying to get you to embrace a problem when you don't have one. You're innocent in the eyes of God. You're blameless. But what if your performance is great? Then what he tries to do? Try to stroke your ego a little bit. Well, it's because of me that, you know, all these blessings are coming upon me and overtaking me. If you guys worked as hard as I did, maybe you could get some blessing too. <laughs> I worked for mine. I remember that. <laughs> Well, bless God, I didn't, and I got it because Jesus worked for me. Amen. His work really worked. <laughs> There's a crown that won't rust or fade away that's reserved in heaven for us right now. Right now. From the least to the greatest. And you know when God comes back to give each person his reward, he's actually going to start at the last and then go all the way to the first? I mean, God is so generous and so awesome that the ones who came in at the last hour received the same wages as those who bore the heat all day. That's our Father. Like, you could call me in at the last hour and you're going to pay me like I've been working as hard as these guys? 
And if I don't accept the wage, I'm really throwing away his goodness and my value. I don't deserve that, and you shouldn't be paying me that much. No, I'm worth whatever he's willing to give me. And I call myself that valuable. So if God in his eyes saw me as valuable as the blood of Jesus, then I have to see that I really am worth that much. I have to see it. Because if I don't see it, I can never be it. I can never help you become it. I'll never be able to show you because I don't see it myself. And so we both end up in the ditch and somebody else tries pulling us out, but they can't see either. And three people in the ditch instead of two is no better. <laughs> Becomes crowded. Three's a crowd. <laughs> Could you imagine what it would be like to never have condemnation? Could you imagine a life where you never had guilt that led to shame? Could you imagine a life like that? Despite your performance or the lack thereof? There really is a place like that. There really is a life in Christ that will refuse to accept condemnation. There really is a place in faith that says that your sacrifice is all that was needed. And you're the one who has perfected me. Through that one sacrifice, He's perfected us forever. It was one sacrifice, one time, and the Scripture says, enough for all time. Amen. Past, present, and future. You're not saved through forgiveness. You're forgiven because you're saved. Because that was the promise that was attached to the life and ministry of Jesus. That's why one price will suffice. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just I bless your holy name. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you are the Savior of the world and that you really have redeemed us, that we really are that valuable, that precious in your sight, that you really do love us with an everlasting love, and that even when we have devalued ourselves, that you still put such a high value on us that you would still call us over and over and over again to your goodness because that's what we're built upon. And we thank you that you're never angry with us, that you really do watch over your word and perform it in the lives of those who believe it and do it. We thank you that you're even the one who empowers us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.